Well, I have the privilege this morning of a beginning, uh, I shouldn't say beginning, but continuing a series uh, that I've been in for the last several weeks, and it's a series uh, on relationships. We've been calling it Relationships 101. And we talk about relationships almost every year. We spend some time, we carve out some time every year because we believe uh, that in general, we should talk the most about the things that are most important. We should give the most time and the most space to the things that are most important. And when I consider what's perhaps most important about life, what's most important, one of the things that are very, you know, at the very top of that really short list is relationships. We've said week after week that who you are today and who you will be in the future will be profoundly shaped by the relationships you're in. In the same way, people, you know, who you encounter, who they will be and who they are today will be determined by who you are and your impact and your influence on them. And so because of that reason, we're going to take some time and talk about relationships. We say every single week that one of the main reasons that we're on this earth, our purpose, our reason for being here is to be in relationships. The greatest commandment, you know it well, to love God and to love people, that's highly relational, right? Relate well with your Father in heaven and relate well. Have great interpersonal relationships with the people that you do life with. And so this series isn't designed to give you ammunition to fix somebody else, although we love to figure, give me something that I can fix my wife get with. Give me something that I can dictate to my friends. Give me, no, no, this something, this truth, this light is for you to work on you. And so we've been experiencing a lot of fruit, as we often do, and I've been hearing a lot of feedback on these series. We, we talked about friendships, right, the importance uh, of finding out the truth about friendships, how rich and how how important they are. We've talked to the men and women specifically with regard to what their spouses wish that they should know. And those are always some really juicy uh, sermons, and they, always, they almost always have, you know, lots of beneficial conversations that flow out of them. But today I want to talk about something that I've never really preached on before, but something that I think is really, really important, and that is just the subject of boundaries. A subject of boundaries. When we talk about relationships, when we talk about how important and significant these relationships are, I think we do ourselves a disservice if we don't focus in on boundaries. I think that many of the dysfunctions that we experience in our relationship, for the most part, can be traced back to some boundary violation. Either we fail to set boundaries or we fail to clearly mark them so that others uh, can see them or somebody is either intentionally or unintentionally crossing a line that they shouldn't cross, violating a boundary that's been set up, hopping a fence as it were. And so it, it behooves us in some significant way to carve out some time to devote some energy to talking about boundaries. Because if the problem for many of us is boundaries, issues, and violations concerning boundaries, if we can get some of that right, and we can fix some of that, then I think we'll have more rich and satisfying relationships. That's just a theory. Let's go with it and see where we end up, right? So what's a boundary? Simply put, a boundary is a line that marks the limits of an area. More simply put, it is a dividing line. And today, I simply want to talk about creating healthy boundaries in our relationships. You might ask for the purposes of trying to figure out whether or not you can check out today or, you know, play some games on your phone. You might ask, who is this for today? This is for everybody. Doesn't matter your stage of life. Doesn't matter whether you're married or single. Doesn't matter whether, or whether or not you have children. Doesn't matter what industry you work in. These boundaries are are important because they are necessary for interpersonal reaction among humans. And so if you're a human and you're not a Martian or something like that, then this, this applies to you, and I want you to lean in today. This is an unconventional talk. I'm not going to really be camping out in a particular text this morning, but I want to download some very practical, practical wisdom so that it would help you uh, in your relationships. Before I do that, let me just pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity to stand before your people. God, I thank you 
uh, that we get to worship openly and publicly. We know many of our friends uh, and brothers all around the world don't have that luxury. And so we thank you, Father, that we can gather and worship you. We thank you, Father, that when we gather in this place to worship you, you also show up and that you fill us. And you bring with you your truth. And sometimes that truth is difficult to hear, like maybe today. And Lord, I just pray that you would make our hearts a soft landing spot for your truth, that we might hear it, not just hear, but receive, and not just receive, but respond to what you would impart today. God, put power on these words that you've given me to speak. Uh, Move the preacher out of the way this morning, Lord, so that your truth and your light might shine through. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So when we're dealing with uh, a subject like this, or any subject for that matter, uh, a really important and pressing question that we should ask is, where do we start? Because boundaries, if you've ever done any work uh, in this realm or you've ever studied this, you know that this is, a ver- this is a vast field, right? There's a lot of stuff to get into. There's a lot of different aspects of this. And so it's helpful to ask, okay, what is the starting point when it comes to creating healthy boundaries, when it comes to creating the right boundary markers in my life, whether it be my relationship with my friends, the relationship with my spouse, or the relationship with the world around me, where do I start? And I'm glad you asked that question because it's a very good question, right? And the first place that we start is that we fear the Lord. We fear the Lord. We fear the Lord. And so it's helpful for me when I say something like that, and you know, in a, in a group this size, I have to believe that there are people here or people who are listening to us maybe on the website that, that, don't, uh, that haven't committed their lives to follow Jesus. Um, maybe you're here and you're not a person of faith. Maybe you're visiting because somebody invited you. You're visiting because of the dedications. And your particular context isn't from the vantage point of faith. And we understand that. We welcome you here today. But you're peeking in the window of, uh, of a Christian church. Uh, and I have to say that our context is that of those who believe in Christ and who have chosen to set Christ at the very center of our life. And so to set Christ at the very center of our life, there's nothing casual about that. There's nothing haphazard about that. When you invite Jesus Christ to live into your heart, imagine a small one-bedroom apartment. It's not like inviting, you know, a a cricket to come into your home and just sort of bounce around and just explore. It's like like inviting an African lion into a single-bedroom apartment. That lion is going to tear some stuff up. Right? It's going to move some stuff around. It's going to be, its presence is going to be felt there, right? And so when we ask Jesus to come into our heart, to take control, Jesus is going to take over. He might move some of his stuff in. He most certainly will move some of your stuff out, right? And so the starting point with healthy boundaries, as is many, many things that we consider as people of faith, is to fear the Lord. Proverbs uh, 1 and 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge or wisdom, but fools despise that wisdom and they despise discipline. And so Proverbs tells us if you want to be wise, and we've been just defining wisdom as skill in living. It's not just pithy sayings. It's not just some cool stuff that you can say to make, you know, to sound hip or make people go, man, that guy is smart. No, wisdom is skill in living. We're people of purpose. God put us here for a specific reason, to do specific stuff, to be functional, to be fruitful. And if you're a person of purpose and you were here for a reason, then there's some, there's some, there's a rhyme and reason. There's some instructions to this life. There's a way to do it right, and there's a way to, to do it wrong. And so what wisdom imparts is the way to do it right, the, the, the instruction manual, so to speak, right? And so fearing the Lord, not just in this sort of I'm scared of God because I don't know if he's going to hug me or kick me, but I'm talking about awe, wonder, reverence, respect. And you don't get that supernatural download of wisdom, skill in living your life unless you fear the Lord, unless he's the final authority. And so as it, com- as it relates to creating boundaries, as it relates to creating boundaries, the starting point is to fear the Lord, to completely engage him, to give him full reign in your life, to view him with awe and wonder so that we can drink, drink deeply of his wisdom and we can benefit from it. And so from that starting point, we go to the next starting point, and so what wisdom emanates from fearing the Lord. And there's this nugget that I just want to drop on you. It might be too deep for some of you, but the other starting point of healthy boundaries is to, is to mind your own business. 
I, I'll say that again for this, this section over here. To mind your own business. I wasn't talking to anybody specific over there. Uh, my wife's sitting over there, but... To mind your own business. Fear the Lord. The truth and the wisdom that emanates from that, particularly as we look in Scripture, is to mind your own business. I used to think, by the way, that it was my job to fix other people. It's a great pride in that. I, I've got it together, obviously. And so what I need to do is roam about the earth, find people in distress, and tell them what they're doing wrong. I remember when I, when I first met my wife, I thought, this woman's fantastic, she's gorgeous, oh, you know, we're going to get married, but she needs a little work. She needs, she needs a little work, and after a year or two, I'll have her just, you know, I'll have her in tip-top shape. Well, here we are 10 years later, and I haven't achieved that at all, right? And it's not because there's something wrong with her, it's because that was never my job, right? I spent and she'll tell you, it's been a number of years trying to tweak her and fix her, and she spent some years trying to tweak me and fix me, and we just were slowly realizing that that was not our job at all. And that God's wisdom dictates that we're supposed to mind our own business and work on me. And you're supposed to work on you. Scripture's full of admonitions to work on you. Luke chapter 6, verse 42, how can you think of saying, friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your eye? Hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 11, make it your goal to live a quiet, somebody need to underscore quiet, life, minding your own business and working with your hands. Then people who are not believers will respect the way you live, and you will not need to depend on others. It's minding your own business, tending your own garden. Romans chapter 14, verse 4, who are you to condemn someone else's servant? Or who are you to condemn God's people or to critique them or to judge them? Their own master, the Lord, will judge whether they stand or fall. Verse, Romans verse 14 and 12, yes, each of you will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning others. And my favorite, John 21, you know, Jesus has been resurrected. He's talking to Peter, giving him his instructions for life. Say, hey, listen, eventually you'll be killed, you'll be crucified. But listen, you know, I want you to feed my sheep in the meantime. He drops this huge bomb on Peter, gave him his, his marching orders for life. And what does Peter do? He looks over and goes, what about John? Oh, what about John? And Jesus tells him plainly, don't worry about him. You follow me. And so instance after instance in the scriptures, the Lord is telling us what? To mind your own business. Tend to your own garden. And some of you say, huh, that's insightful. That's very helpful, Pastor. Thank you for sharing that with me today. But what on earth does that have to do with boundaries? What on earth does that have to do with boundaries? And if you're asking that question, and if you don't know what minding your own business and tending your own fields and working on you and letting God work on you, if you don't know what that has to do with creating healthy boundaries, it's because you, like me, just a few you know, weeks ago, didn't understand how deep this thing goes. We have a too narrow of a scope as it relates to these boundaries, and I want to help us broaden our understanding of that today. The first way I want to do that is to help you understand that boundaries, specifically in relationship, are like fences, are like fences. If you grew up in America, in many, many parts of the world, in neighborhoods all across the world, you know that lots and lots of people mark their property lines with a fence or some type of hedge. And so it's helpful for us to consider uh, the boundaries that God wants to set up uh, in relation to our interpersonal relationships in the same way as those fences function. The fences are property markers. They let you know where your property uh, 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 ends and another one begins. If you grew up like me, you had a fence on every side of your house, and it was, not any, it was no mystery to me what was our property and what was the neighbor's property or what was our property and what belonged to the city because that fence was there. 
And as it relates to boundaries and it relates to building these helpful fences, those fences are are helpful to other people, but those fences, those boundaries are primarily for you. They're primarily for you because they mark the territory that God has given you to be a steward of. You don't put up a fence around your house and then go to the gate and dictate to your neighbor uh, what they should do in their yard. At least you shouldn't. You don't put up a fence around your property and then try to dictate to everything and try to control everything else. I had some neighbors that tried to do this, by the way, but that's not how it's supposed to go. It's not how it's supposed to work. And if you try to do that in a natural sense, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. People look at you sideways. They might TP your house when you're away, right? Why? Because that's none of your business. And that boundary markers, those boundary property markers help you identify what's yours. So in the same way as it relates to our personal life, the boundaries that we set up, the the boundaries that God wants us to set up are to help remind us what's ours. Because what's ours demands ownership and stewardship. And if God commands you to tend to your field and your field only, it's helpful for you to know where that starts and where it ends where it starts and where it ends. Where it starts and where it ends. The times that I've been most exhausted physically, spiritually, and emotionally uh, have been the times where I've been trying to control other other people. Ever tried to control another adult, like somebody with a different will, different, you ever, it's exhausting. And so some of you today, your relationships and your marriages and your friendships are unfulfilled, unfulfilled today. You're, you're unsatisfied. You're exhausted. You're thinking about walking away from it. And I think that the Lord would just shine the light on this today and just remind us that we, we, we're, we're taking the wrong approach. We're taking the wrong approach. And so my father used to tell me all the time, you cannot, you cannot manage other people. All you can control is you. And so in the spirit of understanding what these healthy boundaries look like, we understand that these healthy boundaries are designed to help you control you. And once you control you, once you understand the realm in which God has given you to steward, then your reactions to the stuff outside of the fix dramatically change. They dramatically change. I often hear somebody say, listen, they made me so mad and they they made me curse. My husband's just so, uh, he's always late, and he makes me yell all the time. Or my kids, they're so, you know, they're so excited, they're so annoyed, they, they make me fly off the handle all the time. And my boss is just, you know, he's so disorganized, and he makes me, you know, just to be a terrible employee. It's all, you hear that? Rather than saying, dang, I'm, I'm making these choices or I'm responding poorly to these external things, we like to describe it as if I'm powerless. Whenever my husband uh, starts acting crazy, whenever my wife starts acting crazy, whenever my friends start being inconsiderate, I, I can't help it but display dysfunctional behavior. And so basically what we haven't understood, when we understand that, especially when we say that, is that what God says is, listen, take the control back from all those external things and realize that God expects you to tend to your own field. He expects you to cut your own grass. And he expects you to respond in a healthy way to those external things outside of your fence to the best of your abilities. Now, if you've been living... Uh, this life for any number of years, you know that that's very hard. We fail at it because it's very hard. But God doesn't leave us helpless. I love uh, what the Scriptures tell us in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 7. For God has not given us the spirit of fear and timidity, but he's given us power, love, and self-discipline. God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. These are the things that come from God. Why do these things come from God? Why do we need them? Because these are the very things that we need, not only to create healthy boundaries, but to stay within that fence, to steward ourselves, and to respond in the appropriate ways to those things, particularly those unpleasant things that come at us from outside of our fence. It gives us power, 
And let's not misunderstand that power. That's Holy Ghost power. Holy Ghost power. The power of the Holy Spirit, which brings with it all of the fruit of the Spirit to engage the world around you and specifically to make good choices within the realm of influence that you have in your fence. Love, to be kind while you do it. To be considerate of others as you walk that out. And, of course, self-discipline. Self-control. Another uh, version of this says, and a sound mind. And a sound mind. What is he saying? Sobriety. Free from intoxication. Free from inebriation. Some of us are acting a fool right now because we can't see clearly. When we can't see clearly, we can't think clearly. When we can't think clearly, we don't choose well. And you're looking through life, and you're looking at your relationships, and you're responding to stuff, and you're viewing all these situations through these lenses that distort it. And so you're talking to your wife, and she flies off the handle at you, and you go, where did that come from? And as you work that thing out, you realize that she heard something that you weren't saying, right? Why? Because there's baggage. There wasn't sound mind. There wasn't clear thinking. There wasn't sobriety. And so the Lord gives us these things specifically so that we can set up these boundaries, we can work well within our space, and we can deal with the stuff that tries to come and invade our space. Self-control. Who would you be? What might you do if you had a little more self-control? If you would just pause and listen more. Pause and pray more. Consider the words you spoke or the things that you spewed back outside of the fence to the world around you. What might be different if you had a little more self-control? This is the stuff we need from God, power, love, and self-discipline. But that fence is not just there to keep stuff out because there's really good stuff on the outside of that fence. Other people, things that will enrich our lives, right? So if you saw a gate or a fence that was built well that had a little... It had a little door on it. Not a, not a big door, not the length of the fence, but just a little door so that we can sort of regulate what comes in and out. And so our boundaries are not there to just keep the world out. Our boundaries aren't there just simply as a defense mechanism. Our boundaries are also there to help us regulate the good stuff that's on the outside of that fence that wants to help it come in. And so that fence is there to keep the bad stuff out but it's also there to help us regulate the good stuff that we'd like to come in and enrich our life. To be, you know, we get to be discriminating about what comes into your space. And when I look at God, and when I look at the treasures that he's given us through scripture, I think and I, that I see often that God, you know, he, bu- he builds a fence around things that are important. He builds a fence around the most important things. And he instructs us to build a fence around the things that matter most in our life. One example of one of the things that God builds a fence around is sex and sexuality. And we get in real trouble when sex doesn't have a gate around it. What's the fence that God puts around sex and sexuality? He puts the fence of marriage around it. And said, listen, it's awesome. It's great. It's life-giving. It's reproductive. It's fun if you do it right. Right? But... It's also dangerous. It'll destroy your life. It'll bring you to ruin. And so because of that reality, we put a fence around it. Just like a power plant. Power plant is great. I like plugging in my stuff. I like turning on the lights. But you just can't have anybody walking in and out of there. And so you want a fence around the power plant. It's good, but it can kill you. And so in the same way, God instructs us to put boundaries, a fence around the most important things. And in the spirit and discussion of healthy boundaries, especially as it relates to our interpersonal relationships, the first and perhaps the most important thing that God wants us to build a fence around, boundaries around, is our heart and soul. God wants you to build a fence and put boundaries up around your soul. And say build a wall that nobody can scale. An impenetrable fortress with a moat and alligators. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a fence just around your heart. Proverbs 4 verse 23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the spring of life. Keep your heart. Guard your heart 
with all vigilance because from it flows a spring of life. And I used to look at that little ending there, spring of life. I used to assign a positive value to that. I go, spring of life. Another version says, your heart is a wellspring of life. I go, whoa, that's a good thing. But the more I look at that, the more I see spring of life as a neutral term. It's as neutral as a faucet. Nothing special about a faucet. It's just a mechanism through which, you know, it delivers and controls and regulates water. Right? But that, that, that faucet traces back to something. And so what the Bible instructs us is that this wellspring of life, it will bubble up. It will bubble up, and it will spray itself over everybody in proximity, but it really matters what's spraying out of that. And what's spraying out of that depends on what that hose or what that spigot is tapped into. And so you can fill your heart with all sorts of vile things, with all sorts of bitterness and jealousy and envy. You can fill it with all sorts of malice and vulgarity and things that lack holiness, things that are impure, things that are angry and vicious. But guess what? When you turn on that faucet, that's what's going to come out. That's what's going to come out. You talk about boundaries being violated. You talk about doing harm to other people. If what's in your heart is corrupt, that's what's going to come out because it's going to be a wellspring of of life of what's in your heart. But if you take God's uh, prescription and you fill your heart with goodness, you fill your heart with life, you fill your heart with truth and love and consideration for others and long-suffering and wholesome things that build you up and not tear you down, when you turn the faucet on, when you turn the faucet on, what's going to flow from that wellspring of life is the good stuff that you've allowed to be cultivated in your heart. And so everything that you are and everything you say and your disposition toward everybody around you will flow from what is in your heart. And that's why the Lord says you've got to build a good fence around that thing. can't just give your heart to anybody. can't just give your soul to anybody because it's the most important thing from flow, because, from, because from it flow life. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 16, what does it benefit you to gain the whole world but to lose your own soul? What does it matter if you're the richest person on the earth? What does it matter if you're so beautiful and sexy that you can have anybody you want? What does it matter that you've climbed the corporate ladder if at the end of all that you forfeited your soul? What does it matter? And so what is Jesus saying? The most important thing you have, the most precious thing that you have is your heart. It's your soul. It's your guts. It's the essence of who you are. Guard it with your life. Guard it with your life. And so these boundaries that God wants us to create, to guard the most important thing that we have, keeps out the unwanted, wandering things that just sort of stray around and just looking for an opening It keeps those things out. The scriptures tell us that our enemy, Satan, is like a roaring lion. He's just roaming around looking for whom he might devour. My father used to often compare him to a night watchman or somebody he called the door shaker, right? We assign too much power to the enemy. He's not omniscient. He doesn't know your future. He's just checking the doors to make sure, you know, that you lock them. He just, is this door open? Is this, this is wandering about the earth, just seeing, can I get in here? Can I get in here? Can I get in here? It's wondering to see what he can get into, what he can kill, what he can rob, what he can take from you. And so these boundaries that we put up against our heart, around our heart, protect us from the negative things around us. And so what God wants us to do in building these boundaries, he wants us to build a fence that enforces God's standard in our life that enforces God's standard in our life. And so some of us fail at this Christian life, not because we're bad people, not because we don't love the Lord, but we've just taken such a casual approach to protecting the most important thing. We'll let anybody into our space. We'll consume any media that we want to consume. We'll watch any movie. We'll listen to any music. And we're just confused when we don't have any peace. Well, we're confused when we have a foul mouth. We're confused when we don't have any patience, when we don't have any joy. We're confused when our relationships are disturbed. And it's not always the case that your heart has been corrupted, but often it is. The fence is faulty. There's sides missing. The gate's open. And so these boundaries 
are for us firm boundaries that guard our hearts. I told you, it doesn't matter what stage of life you're in. It doesn't matter whether you're married or single. We're all individuals before the Lord. And as individuals, we have a soul, we have a heart, and we'll have to answer to the Lord for how we stewarded it, how we tended to our own hearts. And so these boundaries help enforce God's standard in our life. These boundaries are a regulating fence around our hearts. Regulating fence around our hearts. And so it's important to understand as we're trying to figure out what to keep out and what to let in, that there are many things in this life, including the people sitting in this room, that God wants you to strategically let in so that they can enrich and bring blessing to your life. These are good things. These are good people. There are good stuff that God wants you to bring into your heart and to bring into your life so that they can enrich you. But there's plenty of things, plenty of things that the Lord wants you to stay very far away from and keep on the outside of your fence. But that fence isn't just to keep stuff out. It's, 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 it's also to keep stuff from getting out, mainly you, mainly the bad stuff that sometimes just emanates from our hearts. The stuff that happens when we don't think before we speak and the stuff that happens when we don't, you know, we don't give due consideration to our actions and our words and how we treat other people. That fence is also there. Those boundaries are also there to help you regulate what goes out to other people. When you consider that it's only your job to control you, you react differently. You respond differently. You relate to the world around you Differently, And this fence, these boundaries that God has given us to put around our property line are largely there in some ways to, to protect others, to protect others. And so when we put all of these things together and we consider the function of the boundaries that God causes us to put around us, we find that our, our relationships will improve. I'll give you a scenario. You have an intruding friend, right? This person thinks nothing of showing up unannounced at your door at 11 o'clock at night, right? Now, this makes you angry. This makes you furious. You get an attitude with this person. You might call up another friend and talk about that person, right? But have you considered the fact that you haven't put up a good enough fence? And some of you just haven't said to that friend, hey, that's not okay for you to come here at 11 o'clock at night. That's not okay for you to just raid my refrigerator and eat the last of my, you know, shrimp fried rice. I was going to take that to lunch tomorrow. That's not okay. Right? And so what have we done? We've controlled our response and our reaction to that, and we've set up an enforceable boundary. If you do this again, we're going to have to put some space between us. <laughs> you continue to be an abusing friend and show disregard for my space and for my family and my stuff. Listen, listen, I'm not going to fly off the handle because I got, more control, I got control over me. But if you continue to do that, I just, we, we just can't continue in this way. Something has to change. And so what does that boundary help to do? One, it helps you to understand, okay, my reaction is in, on the inside of my fence, and I can control that. But also, I need to mark this line more clearly for this person because they're taking advantage. And they might be doing so rather innocently. And so what often is the case is the friend reacts differently. She, you never knew that it was, okay. it was not okay. You always let her do it. I was reading a book called Boundaries in Marriage, written by fantastic authors. I really, um, I really recommend it. David, if we had that, um, that's a fantastic book. Really opened my eyes to a lot of things concerning boundaries, particularly in my marriage. And so one of the stories that uh, doctors uh, Cloud and Townsend tell in this, in this book is a story of, of, of a housewife who would just get really upset with her husband because he would cr be chronically late coming home for dinner. Dinner was supposed to be at 6 o'clock, and the husband, who, who owned his own business and had a lot of responsibility for his own business, uh, was never on time. Sometimes he'd be an hour or two late. And so as a result of this, the wife would start nagging. She would have an attitude. She would serve the food harshly. She would, she would constantly talk to this guy about it. And when she started to understand what was going on, and that a lot of this stuff had to, had to do with her not setting a good boundary, she began to realize uh, that she wasn't handling the situation properly. And so one day her husband came home late as usual, and he braced himself for impact when she said, hey, I just wanted to apologize to you. And he almost fell out of his chair because this is not regular action for him, right? 
I just want to apologize to you because I, listen, I, I realize that I've just not been a pleasant person to come home to. I've been responding and reacting to your tardiness in a way that's inappropriate, and I just, I, I want to ask that you forgive me. And I know that the environment that's here when you get home is not something that you are eager to come home to. And the husband, of course, said, yeah, I really appreciate that apology. And in fact, I, sometimes I, I stay out a little later just because I want to prolong the beating. I, I want to, you know, stave it off a little bit. And so they got done with that part, and the husband thought it was over. But the wife said, hey, I want, I want to continue by, by saying one other thing. Um, just from now on, the kids and I, we're going to eat at 6. We're going to eat at 6 o'clock. And the husband protests, honey, you know how much I hate warming up my plate. You know I like a hot meal. She says, I understand that, but this is something that we have to do. We're getting into fights. The kids are getting to bed late. We're going to eat at 6. And so what happened? For that first week, the husband, he came home late. He had to warm up his plate. He grumbled while he was doing it. But what happened second and third week after that? You know what happened? All of a sudden, he didn't have that much work to do. He was getting home at 6 o'clock. He was getting home at 5.55 because he, he saw the value of eating with his family. He saw the value of having that meal hot when he got there. And so what happened? The wife understood that she had more control of the situation than she understood. And she was tr- trying to change her husband, trying to manipulate him by her attitudes and her aggression and her nagging. And then she realized that God had given her a fence. And she was to work within that fence. And so what sat within that fence? Her response, her emotions, her reactions, right? But it didn't stop there. She drew a clear mark, boundary, and said, hey, we're eating at 6 o'clock. And guess what happened? The situation changed. The situation changed. And I just used to think about boundaries as these things. Listen, I'm going to put this up to protect me. You're going to hurt me. I'm going to put this up so, so, so you'll know, you know, that you can't just violate me. And that's not what boundaries are, are about at all. The boundaries, the God-given, God-inspired boundaries are there to help you work on you. And you would be surprised what might change in lo- your life if you worked on you. You would be surprised what people you can't stand who seem like repeat offenders would, would, would simply shape up if you changed how you responded. And if you, you know, put some more clearer markers and clearer property lines, you would be surprised at what would happen both in your relationships, in your friendships, with your children. Man, that's a whole other message. And so these boundaries are primarily about you working on you. And you will see the fruit as you engage this. I wish I had time to just unpack lots of scenarios. If you get that book, it's, it's really rich, okay? So God wants us to build a fence around our heart, keep the bad stuff out, keep the good stuff in, and to help us work on our own stuff. The other really important uh, fence that God wants us to build around a really specific uh, and important aspect of our lives are our marriages. God wants you to build a fence around your marriage. And I realize today that there are single folks among us today. Um, And so, again, don't check out when we start talking about marriage because many of you hope to be married one day. And some of you uh, have behind you a failed marriage that if you had the benefit of this wisdom, things might have been different. And so I will focus in detail and in depth on singles uh, two Sundays from today the whole Sunday will be related to, to singles uh, and singleness, but I just want to pause in our last few moments here and talk about the importance of building a fence around these marriages, some boundaries around marriages. As I said earlier, the boundaries that you place around yourself will greatly help you within your marriage. The boundaries that each individual bring to the table, those boundaries must be there. Our marriage isn't just this boundless, you know, ambient space where we just sort of float around like we're in space and we're bumping into each other. No, we're two individuals. We're two souls, two, two very different sets of interests. And so if there are not some property mar- markers within the confines of that marriage, we'll have some issues. Some of you are having them now. But the broader realm of this deals with building a fence, a property marker around your marriage to keep the good stuff in and to keep the bad stuff out. 
And I feel it necessary to remind you of something that I thought everybody understood, and that is that your marriage is important to God. Your marriage is important to God. And whether you have a good one or whether you have a bad one will largely determine a whole lot for you, especially your kids. Especially your kids. And I just want to say to those of you who have a struggling marriage and you're too prideful to, 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 to sit on somebody's couch and get it dealt with, you, you, listen, man, you only get one. You only get one. And I've said it week after week that God, you, you're supposed to get one. You said, well, Pastor, I'm on my second marriage. That's the exception. Don't let this culture rock us to sleep. The Bible tells us that you get one. And I think we would respond differently in those marriages if we knew that we only got one. I think if we got rid of the plan B or the exit strategy, we might, we might tend to the grass within our property lines a little bit better. This is important to God because the way he sees it, the way he designed it, it's supposed to be forever. And forever is a long time to be miserable. Forever is a long time to not get it right. So those boundaries around a marriage are there to keep the good stuff in and the bad stuff out. And the main good things that God wants to stay in the marriage is you. You too. He wants you to stay in the marriage. He wants you to stop, you know, getting the cutters in the back gate, you know, try to find a way out of it. He wants to keep the good thing of you in the marriage. But outside of you, there's a list of good stuff that God wants you to have in your marriage. The first is love. The first is love. And we spend a couple of weeks talking about love, what that looks like for men, what that looks like for women. But God wants to keep the love in your, in your marriages. Some of you have marriages that, that, that well, they, they don't have a whole lot of that, if any. And some of you, if you're honest today, you would say, you know, me and my wife, we're, we're roommates. We, sh- we share an address. You know, our mail comes to the same place. There hasn't been love. There hasn't been any warmth. There hasn't been any shared life. For, for, for a long time, you might even find yourself, after the kids move out, you might even find yourself sleeping in different rooms. There's just no love there. But, but, but love is, is one of those good things that God wants bouncing around forever within the confines of the boundaries that he places. Love of God and fear of him, a love for your spouse, sacrificial love for your spouse. What else does God want in that sense? He wants honesty unwavering honesty, for it to be void of deception. He wants faithfulness. He wants compassion. He wants forgiveness. He wants holiness in that marriage so that when he would look at it, he would see something that resembles his relationship with this church. He's pure. Are these two people perfect? Have they got it all figured out? Absolutely not. But, but, but they've welcomed into that fence of their life together. They've welcomed love. They've welcomed long-suffering They've welcomed fidelity and faithfulness and honesty and forgiveness and the holiness of God. They welcome those things in there. And some of you are here, you say, man, I don't have half of that list. I don't have half of that list. And so this isn't to condemn you tonight, this morning, excuse me, but this is to bring you into the knowledge of what God expects, what faithfulness and what fruitfulness within your marriage looks like. And if you don't build a property line and maintain those things within your marriage, you're going you're gonna to struggle. And I said marriage is forever. But I think what I most want to, uh, I think is most important for us to, to focus on as it relates to this boundaries that we're supposed to, to put around our marriage is, is to keep the bad stuff out. Uh, the bad stuff out. Some of you don't have a fence up around your marriage at all. And some of you have a rickety old fence and it's got holes in it, your kids running in and out, you know. But here's the stuff that God wants you to keep out, the intruders. And some of these things are good things, and God wants you to regulate it and not let it take over the thing, but things like work. Look, work is a good thing. I mean, work, I mean, it, that pays the bills. It gives you something to do. It enriches your life. But some of you, your work has invaded your marriage, and your marriage is secondary now. Your wife or your husband, they get you on the weekends. They get what, what's left of you. 
And so we see all the things siphon out because there's holes in the fence. You've let work come in. And you're having an affair with it. Kids, kids are a great thing. I know, I got three of them. I got three of them. And they're out of town right now. Which proves my point. That there's some richness to drawing some lines as it relates to them. Some of us have kids and get absolutely nuts. And your poor wife, she's like, I, I want to hug too. I want to talk too. I want to frolic, snack, dinner, banquet. I want to play too. <laughs> if, you, if, that, if you didn't get that, just listen to the message from last week. But kids, man, let's say they're a gift from God. We just dedicated a couple of them. They're a gift from God. But if we don't regulate the activity of that in our marriage, it will absolutely destroy us. It would absolutely destroy us. Outside hobbies, stuff like TV. And we didn't have to say this 10 years ago, but we're saying it today, smartphones. Sometimes my wife and I joke, we're laying in bed, we're both on our phones. We say, honey, there's nobody I'd rather lay next to and look at my phone than, than you. <laughs> and we're like, oh, we having a good time. And, you know, and that's okay because it's mutual. Now, now, if I was over there waiting to talk or looking for it, that would be destructive. But how many of you would say that the technology and media have just gotten in the way of the good thing that God has set before you? That while that's a good thing, it serves a function, we need to regulate that with the boundaries that we set around it. Some of, some of us, are, are, our intruders are people. And so if the people are intr- that, that are intruding are here now, just play it real cool. Don't make eye contact with them. Because some of us, hey, in-laws... Great folks, but you got to regulate that. You got to, you know, put a put a lock on that gate and regulate that. Otherwise, well-meaning, good people that would jump in front of a bus for you will destroy your marriage because you know it's your job to say that's enough. It's your job to say not not, not this weekend. It's your job to say no, 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 no. We we don't want the kids doing that. We've told you once we don't do that. Or we don't watch that. Or we're not going to do that for our family. And some of us have just, we've just gotten so timid around our family members. We don't want to break, you know, relationship. And so you just allow anything. And those folks, they go home. They go home. And they leave you with a mess. How many of you say, every time that person leaves my house, we get into a fight? Every time that friend is here or every time that family member is here, when they go home, there's some friction. What's happened? The boundary isn't set. You, we, need to, we need to fix the fence. In-laws, family, extended family, church. Dare I say it, the church. Your involvement here should not crash your marriage. And when we see that happening, we will sit you down faster than you can say Skittles. Right? That's fast. Because this is not more important than your marriage. Don't, 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 listen, don't sacrifice your marriage because you feel important here. Because you get to preach and you get to sing and you get to do, listen, we will not let you sabotage your marriage for the purpose of the kingdom. It, do, it doesn't work that way. God's not inviting that. Church, internet, financial involvement, friends, addictions, affairs, actual ones, physical ones, and emotional ones, they, they, they are intruders. They have no place within the fence of your marriage. Let me say this as I land this thing, and and worship team, you can come up. Some of you are here today, and you're playing with fire. Nobody knows about it yet. You've been doing a pretty good job of of, of hiding it. You're flirting with with this person at work. You're flirting with somebody at the gym. You're having this emotional thing. Maybe it's in a chat room. You've met somebody online and you're you're flirting with this. You're giving more and more and more of yourself. You're having to shift things around. You're you're having to hide money. You're having to come up with deceptive stories and keep those things in line. Uh, Hey, hey, listen. Hey, listen. You want to surrender that to the Lord today. I say it often. You have an affair. God is redemptive. He can restore it. He can fix it, but it will never be the same. It'll never be the same, and some of you can testify. So sometimes we're so dissatisfied in our, in, our, in our marriages simply because we haven't handled the boundaries right. We haven't had the right conversations. We haven't marked the territory right. We're so unhappy that something outside of it looks so, 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 so beautiful and so simple. 
and so satisfying and so fulfilling. And so we invite these things. We don't regulate these things, and it is plotting to destroy you. It's plotting to destroy you. And to those of you who got these little things going on, these little flirty relationships that are getting deeper and deeper, I implore you today to, to put a stop to it. Talk to somebody about it. Confess. Come clean to somebody. I don't care if you have to quit your job. It's not worth your marriage. I don't care if you have to move to another state or switch gyms or not go to that library. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Some of you are kids of parents who your affair took place in a divorce. And I can give, I can give you the microphone so you can say with credibility, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. All of these things are intruders, and if I had the time, we can come up with a whole list of things. And you know in your particular life, and you know in your particular context what the intruders are. And so as it relates to our marriages today, for the sake of, of our Christian witness, for the sake of the gift and the institution of marriage, for the sake of your kids and their future and generations to come, would you, with, with all diligence, guard your marriage? Put some boundaries up around your marriage and let no unholy thing come in. And even those good things, would you, would you work really hard through the power of God's Spirit to regulate those things so that they do no harm and they only enrich you and they do no harm? And for those of us who are single today, would you, would you with all your fervor, with all your willfulness, guard your heart and guard your soul? regulate those things through the power and the destruction and the wisdom of God, would you, would you do that today? I guarantee you this stuff works. And some of you, even now, you're thinking about, i got to change that. Oh, I had to have a conversation with this person. I need to talk to my spouse when I get home. Oh, we need to change that. Oh, we need to talk to this family member. Oh, we need to cut up that credit card. Oh, we need to do this. You're thinking even now about what to do. That's great. That's all from the Lord. And so my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would just continue to, to build upon what we've discussed here, continue to flesh that out so that you can build healthy boundaries uh, in your life and your relationships so that your life would experience the fruitfulness in everything that God has to offer. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for uh, your wisdom. God, it's not easy to hear all the time, Lord, but you, um, you cause us to be wise and you cause us to lean into this because you want what's best for us. You're a good father. You want what's best for us. You want us to thrive and not just limp through and just survive our lives, especially our lives together. And so, Lord, for those of us who are having difficulty guarding our, our hearts and our souls, we've made mistakes, we've welcomed things in, Lord, we've responded poorly. Father, I pray that you would bring forgiveness and healing. But, Lord, would you just give us a new script, a new plan? Give us new plays to run, Lord, so that we might understand that you called us not to fix the world, not to fix people around us, but to work on us. That's your wisdom. That's your truth. And so, Lord, as we begin to do that, as we begin to work on ourselves and exercise that self-control that comes from your Holy Spirit, Lord, I pray that we would see our relationships begin to be enriched, especially those that are married today, especially those who are, their marriages are on the fault lines, on the brink of collapse. Father, I pray that by your Spirit you would bring healing today, that you would speak a word of life that brings transformation and change. Lord, and as we worship you today, Father, I pray that you would just soak what, what, what we've learned here in the brine of your spirit, that your goodness and your sweetness and your light might be the resort. That we say, have your way. Do your work in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.